Hello. All right. You can take a seat. Welcome to Anchor Church. If you're new, um, welcome. I'm not your normal preaching pastor. I'm just a guy that goes to church here that uh, is going to open up the word and hopefully uh, I won't get in the way of God speaking to us today. Um, we're going to be in John 6. Uh, if you weren't here last week, uh, I preached through the first part of John 6, and um, we're going to continue through that um, passage. I'm going to go ahead and read it. Uh, we're going to start in verse 14. And yes, if you were here last week, I did read through 14 and 15, and then kind of missed preaching on it. <laughs> so I'm picking it up. It actually works really well um, for a continuation uh, anyways, uh, so it's actually kind of a happy mistake that I made, and uh, so you're hearing it this week. All right, starting in verse uh, John 6, verse 14. When the people saw the signs that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world, perceiving then that they were about to come to make him, uh, to take him, sorry, by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said that to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that had remained on the other side of the sea, saw that they had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are not seeking me. Not because you saw the signs, sorry, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What, was, what must we do to do the work of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What signs do you do 
that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. Let's pray. God, we pray that um, today you will work in our hearts so that we can see who Jesus is clearly. That the images that we have of who he, who we think he might be, might be changed. And that we might have a right relationship with God. I pray that you will Use the meditations, Lord, that I've been working on and, and your word um, in the best way possible. Spirit of God, we pray that you will use the word of God to reveal the Son of God. Amen. So I'm going to give a quick summary, just so if you were like, okay, that's kind of, what are we talking about here? Last week we talked about... Uh, uh, the first part of the chapter, and the first part of the chapter, what we see is that there's a crowd of people that has uh, come to this place that is kind of a little out of town uh, on the Sea of Galilee. They, this crowd had assembled because they had been seeing Jesus doing signs, um, as John puts it, which was healing the sick. And so they gather on this hillside, and Jesus sees them. And says, where is our food? There's, you know, what do we have for food? And he takes five loaves, which is a kid's lunch, and two fish. And he gives thanks, he breaks it, and he gives enough food for everyone to eat, more than they could ever want to, and then there's leftover. So that's where we're starting from in this passage. A uh, quick note that I pointed out last week, um, that food is not just something that uh, we think of as food. Uh, it is food, but um, bread was the staple diet. They ate it just about every meal, if not every meal, and that most of their income would go towards food, like being able to eat. It said to 80 to 90% of their income would go towards paying for your food costs. So these are important things to think about when, as we go into... Uh, this passage. But before we do that, I have a question. I love questions. Who is Jesus? Okay, let me rephrase that a little bit. What is the image of Jesus that you have in your mind? When I thought about this question, because um, that's really what this passage is talking about, 
my first thought was the movie Talladega Nights, which I'm not telling you to go watch it. Uh, it's a comedy. It's by Will Ferrell. And in one of the early scenes in the movie, they're sitting around a dinner table, and Will Ferrell is trying to do grace, if you will. He's trying to pray. And he keeps starting off with, Dear Baby Jesus, eight pounds, three ounces, and it starts a discussion around the table. What is the Jesus I want Jesus to be like? One of the guys says, I want my Jesus wearing a tuxedo t-shirt and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner. Not really the Jesus we see in the Bible, um, but it begs to ask the question, those are obviously wrong, right? He's not just a baby. He wasn't just a baby. He's, also, we don't know the weight, so it's an obscurity. But also, he doesn't, lead, he doesn't sing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner either, right? But I think most of us have an image of Jesus in our mind. And I would challenge you to start to wonder or ask the question, is my image of who Jesus is correct? Okay? Let's jump right in. Verse 14. When people saw the signs he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. What are they referring to here? Well, if you would jump back with me to Deuteronomy, verse 18. Uh, this is uh, this is no, no. I'm not going to go into that because other study that I a little rabbit trail. I'm not going to go into it. But here we go. Verses uh, starting at 18, verse 15. The Lord your God, this is God uh, talking to Moses. The Lord your God will raise up uh, for you a prophet like me from among you. From your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. Okay, so we know that God is going to raise up this prophet that is to listen. And again, in verse 18, if you skip down, I will raise up uh, for them a prophet like you, like you, Moses, from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. So we have this prophet that is to come. This is what they're recognizing. They're saying, uh, you know, the, further on in the passage, it says that, you know, this, this prophet will do signs and um, not just signs, but that the things that he said will come true. Okay. So they're, they're waiting for this Messiah, if you will, this, this second Moses, if you will, to come to lead them. So they go, indeed, we just had this food. He took a kid's lunch and turned it into enough food for all of us. This is our guy. Well, they're, they're right. But let's keep reading. Perceiving then that they were about to come to take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain. They're going to come take him by force to make him king? Why would they do that? Well, if you remember, if most of your income goes towards food and he can do these awesome miracles, uh, these signs, as John puts it, 
man, this is the kind of king I want. He's going to triple my income. It's kind of, kind of president I want, a guy that can triple my income, right? That's not what Jesus is here for. So Jesus withdraws and takes off. So let's keep going. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the water and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. He said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. So this is also a super famous passage in the New Testament. This is, the pa- this is uh, where Jesus walks on water. The other Gospels expand on this a lot more. Um, this one more so kind of runs through it and says, this is what happened, right? There was this uh, miracle of the turning the loaves into many loaves, and now we have Jesus coming out to them, walking on the water. And, and the author keeps continuing with this thought uh, of, the, of the five loaves and the two fish. Okay. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. So they recognized there was only one boat, and they're going, huh, where did Jesus go? He wasn't in there with his disciples. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where he had been eating, where they had been eating the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples. They themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Whoa. Jesus just calls him out. You're not coming here because you saw the signs. And even though you had talked about me being a prophet just yesterday, the prophet, and tried to make me king, the reason you're here is because you want me to keep doing tricks for you, if you will. You're wanting me to keep feeding you. Obviously, they have the wrong view of who Jesus is. I mean, yeah. He turned five loaves into many loaves. He can do that. But obviously, Jesus is pointing to something else other than the fact that he can do these signs. It's signifying. The signs are signifying something else or someone else. They're there for their personal gain. 
They aren't looking for Jesus as the prophet, but they're looking to Jesus as the means to an end. Verse 27, do not work for food that perishes, for the food that endure, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Okay, there's actually a lot going on here. So again, I like questions. I said that earlier. I, I realized it once I wrote my sermon. I really like questions. So he says, do not work for the food that perishes. Okay. So if we're not to work for the food that perishes, what should we labor for? Well, it tells us. But for the food that endures to eternal life. Okay. We're supposed to labor towards the food that endures, keeps going, for eternal life. But who will provide this food for eternal life? Which the Son of God will give to you. Wait, so the son, of, the son of man, as it says, will give us food for eternal life. Okay, that's, that's kind of a big statement, right? I mean, I could say, I could give you food to endure for the day, and you'd be like, yeah, cool. And I could say, I could give you food to endure for a month, and you'd be like, gosh, that's a lot of food. Yeah, that's a lot of food. And I could say, I could give you enough food to last you a year. Wow, that's generous of you. And I could even say, I could keep feeding you until I die. And that's still a, a, a plausible, if you will. But to say, I will give you food that will endure through eternal life, that's a whole other statement. Where does he get this authority to give us this food for eternal life? Well, it says it. For on him, that's Jesus, God the Father has set his seal. I don't know if this is true, but I think it's Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the beginning of the movie. There's this wax, and then they put a seal, a ring is sealed on it. And that's what always pops into my head. And a seal, I'm sure as you're aware, as most people that have been through school know, a seal is a sealing of a statement, right? It's as good as saying uh, the king himself is here telling you this, right? It is the king's seal. It is as much as saying, I am an ambassador for the king, and this is what the king says. Okay, that's a big deal because he's saying that God the Father has set his seal on him. Meaning, this is coming from the Father. Well, if you remember, or if you held your finger on it, because I didn't tell you to, back in Deuteronomy 18. It says, uh, in verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up from you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is he you shall listen. 
So God the Father has placed his seal on Jesus, and it's from Jesus that we are to listen. So what he says is what we need to take to heart and believe. Verse 28. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the work of God? I kind of got stuck on this, this work that we're supposed to be doing. What is this work that we're supposed to be doing? Jesus answers them, This is the work of God that you believe in him who sent, in him who has been sent. It's not believe in your image of who he is or who you think he's going to be, but believe in the one whom he has sent, that God has placed his seal on and who God said, listen to what he says. So they said to him, what signs do you do that we may see and believe you? What works do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. As it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. What are they, what are they referring to here first? As Well, this is a reference. i got to move this fuller. It keeps blowing my pages. This is a reference to, uh, to Exodus 16. It's actually, you know, in many places in the Bible. Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain down bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather, it, gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they are willing to walk in my laws. So God is going to rain down bread for heaven. I like to keep my finger on that spot just for a second because we're going to look at Jesus' reply. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, in other words, double true, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. Is that what it said? Wait, did, did Moses give them bread? Um, then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread. Oh, it wasn't Moses at all. It was God the Father that was providing. Moses was just the guy that, he was, that God was talking to. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Okay, what's this true bread of heaven? For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Wait, I thought we were talking about bread. It seems pretty apparent he's not talking about bread, unless bread is a he. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. No bread comes down as a he and gives life 
So it's not Moses that's the giver of this life. It's the bread. And it's better than just bread, obviously. Because he says, uh, of course, lost. The true bread of from heaven. So they say to him, sir, give us this bread always. I think they kind of missed it here. He just said he, and they're still thinking about the food. Give us this bread always. This sounds good. I like this idea. This bread always. Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. That's a big statement. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. He can't say it any clearer, really, can he? I am the one that came down, and I am the bread. I'm the one that gives life. But there's a statement here that I want us to look at. It's a very bold statement. It is an I am statement. It says, I am the bread of life. Jesus uses this many times. Um, I can't even remember how many. At least eight or nine times in John's gospel alone, these I am statements. Okay? What, what is he saying? Well, if you were to flip back to Exodus 3, 14, this is Moses... Um, This is Moses at the burning bush. This is where God is calling Moses to do his work. He's saying, Moses, I want you to go to these people and tell Pharaoh that they're not your people, they're not your slaves, and I'm going to free them and pull them out and bring them to a promised land. So Moses says in verse 13, Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and they say and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Whoa. That's a pretty big statement. That's not a tuxedo t-shirt statement. That's not just a baby Jesus in a a manger. He was a baby, yes, in a manger. But he he didn't just stay a baby. An I am statement is a very large statement. So what is the crowd to do with that kind of statement? 
Like the crowd, we can't make Jesus into what we want him to be for our own benefit. Uh, Shaolin, if you know who that is, I love it. He puts a term for Jesus as an unconquering lion. He's not one to be conquered. You can't conquer him. I think the biggest benefit for us is to, is to see and believe Jesus for who he is. Because if he is the bread of life, if he is the life giver, and we have an opportunity to see him for who he is instead of trying to make him into something he's not, which won't work anyways, it's just deceiving yourself, it's not deceiving him, he can't be made king, he is king then it changes our posture in our relation to him. But just for exercise, I, I actually want to read a couple of these I am statements, he says. Okay? Just in John alone. In John 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 8 again, he says, before Abraham was, I am. Wait. Before Abraham? Abraham's in Genesis. Abraham is before Moses. And he says, before Abraham was, I am. John 10, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he also states that he was before Abraham. He's the giver of life. That he is the resurrection. He is our resurrection. And also that no one has access to God the Father except through Jesus So who is Jesus? It's a pretty important question. I might say it's the biggest question you could ever ask. He can't just be a nice guy. Our society may want to think of him as just a guru or a nice guy. But when you make statements like that, you're no longer just a nice guy or a guru. You're confronted, you have to decide who he is. So either he's, he's a liar, he is not who he says he is, he's not part of, he's not a Trinitarian God, he's not the light of the world, he's not the bread of life. But if that's true, that's a pretty massive hoax. The fact that he would have to keep going with this so far as to be crucified, die a heinous death. I don't know many people that will keep going with a lie because usually a lie has to do with your benefit. And so what kind of benefit would that be to him? I can't see one. So maybe he's crazy. Maybe he's a lunatic. Except for how do you explain the feeding of the 5,000? 
How do you explain the witnesses that saw him doing different miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead? Also, I don't know about you, but I see a lot of people that are mentally unstable on our streets in Seattle. Is this the kind of thing that they do? Do they feed people? Do they heal people? No. No, because they're broken. So are we. So, I think our only conclusion can be that he is who he says he is. That he is our Lord. He is the one that is above us. The ruler above us. He is the Messiah. He's the one that was prophesied about. That he's part of the Trinity. He's the second part of the Trinity. That he has direct relationship with God, and it's through him that we can have relationship with God. And he's, he is the one that gives us life. Not just temporal life. He does do that. He is the one that gave us life in our mother's womb. But that he continually gives us eternal life. I don't know where you're at with who Jesus is. But I can tell you that um, if he is the giver of life, if there's an inclination in your head that there's more to this, then I really feel like this should be who we get after in searching. In your daily life, are you searching after him? Because if he is the one that gives life, that endures. Um, regardless of your job, which does put food on your table and pay your rent, um, which is good. I'm not saying don't quit your job. It's not what I'm saying. It's not what Jesus is saying either. But he's saying, follow me. Because I'm the one that gives you the life. If you don't know him today, please start searching. Start looking through the word. John's a great place to start. It talks about him a ton. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we are going to move into communion. The band will come up and play some music, and uh, logistically, uh, we have gluten-free bread, wine and juice, according to your conscience, conscience and um, bread. And this is a time for believers. Um, and you can come up as you will when, you, when you're ready. But let's pray. God, we thank you so much for sending your son that we might have life Lord, I pray that we will be reminded hourly of what that means for us.
Lord, not only that we have a salvation, that we have a Savior, that we have a Messiah, but that we can have relation with, with you because of him. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to share in communion with you and with fellow believers. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and he, that is Jesus, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is a new covenant in my blood. So I urge you, if you are a believer, to come be part of his body by taking it. And it's really a sign of, of that he is what we need, really. <laughs> that he is the fulfiller. And, um, and then rejoice, right? Because we have something, we have someone that gives us life.